few weeks, you know that I've been in the middle of our newest series uh, on the Lord's Prayer, but every time we do water baptism, I like to take the time to remind us of what it is that we're actually doing and to uh, learn a little bit more about what this thing is called water baptism. So I'm going to do that again this evening and hope to get back to our series on the Lord's Prayer next week. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, we find Jesus setting the example of water baptism all himself. It says in verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And I'm going to pause right there before I go any further to remind us that this was Jesus' first public appearance. This was the first time that Jesus stepped out into public. This was the entrance into his ministry. And at the very outset of Jesus' ministry, before the Bible says he was carried away into the wilderness, like you know, to be tempted by the devil and to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, before he selected his disciples, before he went out into the world, before he healed the sick and before he raised the dead, Before he stepped out to do ministry, the Bible says he came to the Jordan to be baptized in water. He came to the Jordan to demonstrate what I would call oneness with the Father. He came to demonstrate and to make it clear that water baptism was not man's plan, but that it was God's plan. And that example was set at the very outset of Jesus' ministry himself. Remember, the Bible tells us that Jesus never did anything of his own accord. He never did anything unless the Father told him to do it. He never said anything unless the Father told him to speak it. So what we learn from that is that water baptism was part of God's plan and purpose for all of his people. Jesus sets the example and reminds us that this was part of God's will for all of his children that are saved to be baptized in water. Jesus obeyed the Father, and he stepped into the Jordan to be baptized. So here we are at the Jordan, where Jesus came to be baptized by John. And the Word says, but John tried to deter him, the Bible says, saying... I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. And I'm going to pause one more time. Because how many of you know that every time we step out to do God's will, someone might be there to deter us? Every time we step out to do the will of God and to obey God and take a farther step closer to God, someone or something will always try to position itself or themselves in a way to keep you from doing God's will. Even they may even be spiritual individuals. We know how great John was considered, but he doesn't understand at that point the plan that God had. And so he even stepped out to deter Jesus himself from being baptized in water. And I say all of that just to remind you to be careful of man, even spiritual men. What you need to do and what I need to do is make sure that we are always hearing from the Father so that we can do the will of the Father. And that we and when we understand that it is the will of the Father, we can't let anyone deterring us from accomplishing the will of the Father. We have to understand that here at the very onset of Jesus' ministry, at the very beginning of his ministry, man tries to deter him from doing the Father's will. If you know anything about Jesus' ministry, you find all through his ministry, people tried to deter him. 
Even Peter was called Satan and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because he didn't know the will or the plan of the Father. So all through Jesus' ministry, they were trying to deter him, trying to keep him from accomplishing the Father's will. And I want you to understand this evening that as we do the same thing, people will try to deter you. What are you getting baptized for? What's that all about? What's this for? Why are you doing that? Why are you going to church? Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you fasting? Why, why are you doing all of these things? Why? Because it's the will of the Father. And when we do the will of the Father, we find out that he is extremely pleased. Peter, uh, I mean, John tried to deter him, but Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice came down from heaven saying, This is my Son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Because how many of you know when we do the Father's will, he's pleased? Whenever we do what the Father asks us to do, He's pleased. No matter what anyone else thinks, no matter what anyone else says, no matter what anyone else is doing, when we do the will of the Father, the Father is well pleased. And He was well pleased with His Son, Jesus, who decided to go down to the Jordan and set an example for all of us to follow. What we need to learn from this passage is that it is pleasing to the Father when we obey His plan. Amen? It's pleasing to the Father when we obey His will. It's pleasing to the Father when we walk in His ways instead of our ways. It's pleasing to the Father when we do what is right in His eyes and and not in our own eyes. It's pleasing to the Father when we walk according to the will of the Father. And that's what we're doing when we are baptized. We're walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. We're following the example that Jesus sets before us to be baptized in water. And we're going to explain a little bit more what that means. What you are doing this evening is well-pleasing to the Lord because it is God's plan and not man's plan. Amen? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, give you another example. Peter, under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he called everyone that heard his message on the day of Pentecost to repent and be baptized. He called them all to make a public confession and a public proclamation through this act of water baptism that Jesus Christ is Lord. That it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. That's what water baptism is. It's making a public proclamation that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. It's making a public proclamation that it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. I'm no longer my own, but I belong to Jesus Christ. I know there's some young ones that will be being baptized this evening. For the younger ones that are here this evening, all you need to know is that what you are doing is makes God very happy. What you're doing is pleasing to the Lord because what you're saying by being baptized is that I want to live for Jesus and I want to live like Jesus. Amen? You're saying no matter what your friends might say or do, no matter what the kids at school might say or do, No matter what the television kids say or do, no matter what anyone else says or does, what we are saying and you are saying as a child of God is that I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. 
I'm going to live for Jesus and I want to live like Jesus. That's all you need to know about water baptism is that I am making a statement to everyone here and all that those that watch me and especially to God that I want to live like Jesus and I want to and I want to live for Jesus. Amen. For the adults, baptism is much more. It's a public proclamation that I have been crucified with Christ. It's proclaiming that I have been buried with Christ into the baptism of death. Not a physical death. He's not asking us to come in here and drown ourselves and die physically. What baptism represents is a dying to ourself. It represents a dying to me, myself, and I. It represents a, a dying to my plan and my wants and my desires and my agenda that I'm leaving them behind so that I can do the will of the Father. Please understand, Jesus went to the Jordan to set the example that it's not my will. At the very beginning of his ministry and at the very end of his ministry he and all through his ministry, he cried out and demonstrated the same exact thing. Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Jesus didn't need to have any sins washed away from him, but he set the example and, and was saying that I'm, I'm using this, this baptism to demonstrate that it's not about my will, but it's about the Father's will. Amen? And that's what this is all about. Baptism is proclaiming that I have been buried into the baptism of death, the death of me, myself, and I, and it represents the resurrection of a new man instead. How many of you are thankful that God doesn't leave us down in there? He brings us out as a new creation. If I've been buried with Christ, then I might expect to be raised up in newness of life to the glory of the Father, just like Jesus did. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for new life. Amen? What we have to understand is that when we go into the water, as I always teach, when we go into the water, we are saying it is no longer I that live. When we go in, we are saying it's no longer my will, no longer my plan, no longer my agenda, no longer my, my desires and my wishes. I turn my back on those things. When we go in, it's no longer I that live. And when we come out, it is saying now it is Christ that lives within me. As we come out, our confession, going in our confession is, it's no longer I that live. It's no longer I that live. When we come out, our confession is, is, is now it is Christ that lives within me. It's Christ that, that moves in me and lives in me and breathes in me. It's Christ that rules in me and Christ that reigns in me. Amen? When we come out of the water, we are saying, it is Christ that lives within me. Because water baptism is a public proclamation of God's lordship and kingship over our lives. That's what you're saying when we go in and out of this water. We're confessing God's kingship and God's lordship over our lives. You see, the reality is before we accepted Christ into our lives, we lived under Satan's rule and we lived under Satan's reign, church. Before Jesus Christ came into our lives, we lived according to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and according to the pride of life, church. Before accepting Jesus as Lord, we lived under self-rule and self-reign. We did what was right in our own eyes, and we walked in our own ways, church. And I was part of that equation. And I know you were too. 
The reality is prior to Christ, we lived under the kingship and the lordship of darkness. And I know that may sound exaggerated to a lot of you. I know that that may sound melodramatic to a lot of you. Living under the lordship of darkness. Like it's some kind of horror flick. But the reality is, we have to remember that Paul said to the church, you were once darkness. You were once darkness before Jesus. He didn't say you were once in darkness. He called you darkness. He called me darkness. He tells us that before Jesus Christ, we were plunged into darkness. We were part of darkness. It's who we were. We were darkness before Jesus Christ. But, but what this tells the world and what this tells the church and what this tells all of the onlookers is that I am no longer darkness, but now I am the light of life. I am the, the light of Jesus Christ. And, and what we are saying is we went in here. I no longer am going to live like the children of darkness, but now I'm going to live like a child of light. I once was darkness. But now I'm a child of the light. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And this is what water baptism is all about. It's telling the world that I now am under the rule and reign of a different kingdom. I'm now under the the lordship of a different lord and a different king. It used to be the kingdom of darkness. Now it's the kingdom of light. You understand what I'm teaching, church? I am now living under the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. I'm now living under the rule and the reign of His authority. I'm now living under the rule and the reign of His government. How many of you know the kingdom of God has a government? And what we're saying is when we go through this, I'm coming out, I'm going to live under the rule and the reign of His government, not the devil's government, not the world's government. I'm not saying you disobey the government of the United States. I'm saying you're held to a higher level of accountability, and that is the government of God. As I come out, well, I'm saying that I am now living under the rule and the reign of His power and His anointing. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather live under the power and the anointing of God than the power and the anointing of the devil. Amen? Amen. But this is what we're saying when we go through the waters of baptism. That I'm now living under the rule and reign of a higher authority and a higher power. Water baptism is making a public statement that I have been born again. Because I'm coming through the waters like a child does at birth. Born again of the spirit, but not of the flesh. You see, when we come through here, it's like a child coming through the birth canal. Going through the water. They're coming out a new creation. We're not being born again of the the flesh. We're being born again of the Spirit. And what this is saying, this is not your salvation. Let me make that clear. This water is not your salvation. Jesus Christ is your salvation. But what we are saying is that I have been born again. We're making a public statement because you know the reality is some of you got saved and no one knew about it. There's some individuals in the house of God that call themselves saved and don't nobody know about it. Maybe you gave your life to the Lord in, the, in, in your prayer closet. Maybe you gave your life to the Lord going down the street. Maybe you gave your life to the Lord where no one was around. This gives you the opportunity to let everyone know, guess what? I've been born again. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says. And that's what this is all about. It's saying that I have been born again. Saying the old has passed away and all has become new. When Noah came through the waters... It, too, was a type of new birth, church. 
We know that the old passed away and all things became new. Amen. And that's what water baptism is saying as well. I am a new creation in Christ. The old is passed away and all things have become new. Amen. And one of the things that we need to remember is that when Noah stepped out of the ark, and this is a call that comes to us as well, when Noah stepped out of the ark, when he came through the waters and he came through the flood, the first thing God did was to bless him and then call him to go forth and multiply. The first thing God spoke to him in all of creation, by the way, He blessed the creation again. He blessed Noah and his family. And he called them to go forth and multiply. And so so what is this all about? This reminds us of the call that God has on our life to go forth and multiply. When we go through the waters, church, we come out with a call on our life. When you go through the waters after you're saved and you give your life to Jesus Christ, that's not the end of it. There is a call placed upon your life. And this reminds us of the call that we are to go forth and multiply. He blesses us when we come out. He blesses us and He gives us direction and He gives us mission and He gives us purpose. What's my purpose? It's to go forth and multiply. It's to go forth and multiply, not under the the rule and the reign of the old man. Not under the rule and the reign of the old life, not under the rule and the reign of devil, but under the rule and reign of a new Lord and a new King who is God Almighty. So we go forth and we multiply under His power. We go forth and multiply under His covering. We go forth and multiply under His kingship and His rule and His reign and His anointing. You'll never have any effect in this life apart from God's anointing. Amen, church? So we need to do these things under his rule and his reign. The truth is, that's the call of everyone that decides to be baptized. It's the call to go forth and multiply. It is saying, I am a new creation now under the rule and reign of God. Now under the rule and reign of God, but over the rule and reign of darkness. You see, over here, I lived under the rule and reign of darkness. Over here, I live under the rule and reign of God, but over the rule and reign of darkness. The reality is the only way you and I will ever rule and reign over darkness is when we are under the authority of God, under the government of God, under the power of God. Under the anointing of God, the only way that you and I will ever rule and reign over jealousy or anger or lust, the only way you and I will ever rule and reign over the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, the only way you and I will ever rule and reign over anger or jealousy or greed or envy is when we are under the authority of God. And this is what this demonstrates as we go through that, that I am now coming out from under the authority of the world. And I'm coming up on this side under the authority of God. And when we do this, he gives us authority over every unclean spirit. He gives us authority over everything that would come against us. He gives us authority over all of the the demons of hell. Is when we're under his authority, we're over the authority that this world will try to bring against us. Amen. One of the one of the things that we have to understand as I move this on about the word baptism is that it is actually an untranslated word. Baptism is a Greek word. It's not an English word. 
The original form of the word was baptizo or baptismo. And the only thing the English translators ever did when they took the Greek and and began to write the Gospels was to take the O out of baptismo or baptizo. They never translated the word. And, and I'm saying all that for this reason. What we, what, so when we look at what the word baptism or baptizo or baptismo actually means in the Greek or in the days of Jesus, we find that it never started out as a religious word at all. It was actually an industrial word that was common to the culture. It was a textile word that meant to immerse or to plunge completely into something else. It was predominantly, the word baptismo or baptizo was predominantly used in the textile industry or the fabric making industry. And it referred to a fabric being dipped and dyed, completely immersed, dipped and dyed. That's how the word was originally used. That's what baptism meant. So in other words, to baptize a fabric. When the textile or the the technicians were talking and using that word, this is what it meant. It meant that the fabric was completely immersed in a dye bath. It went in one way and it came out another. In the industrial sense, this is what it meant. The fabric would be in the dye and the dye would now be in the fabric. The two were now one. The two were inseparable and indistinguishable as one from the other. You couldn't tell the dye from the fabric, and you couldn't tell the fabric from the dye. That's what baptism meant on an earthly sense. Think how much more it means in a spiritual sense. If we could take what the world is talking about and understand the depth spiritually, you understand, I go in one way and I come out another. That between me and God, there, there's nothing, I'm connected to, to, to Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm one with Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is all about. I said, it's becoming one with Jesus Christ. Indistinguishable. One from the other. That's what it means when I say it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Because like the, the fabric was in the dye, I am in Christ. And like the dye was in the fabric, Christ is in me, inseparable, indistinguishable. The reality is when someone looks at you and me, they should see Jesus Christ. When someone listens to you and me, they should hear Jesus Christ. When we reach out and touch someone's life, they should feel Jesus Christ. There should not be anything different between us, church, but this is what baptism is all about. That's what the word, that's how the word originated. The reality is, in a non-spiritual sense, baptism, baptismo or baptizo meant a complete change of condition. That which was, was no longer the same. The fabric was altered forever. It was actually transformed by immersion. So baptizo, in the industrial sense, was also not a momentary act either. It was considered an abiding condition. It was considered a lasting condition. In the Greek, baptism meant to thoroughly change the character or the state or the condition of any object through immersion or through plunging or through the process of dipping and dying. And I say all that so that you understand that when Peter or Jesus or any of the other disciples used the word baptize, the people completely understood what was being said. 
They completely understood what it meant to be baptized in Christ. They, they completely understood what it meant to be baptized in water. They would later completely understand what it meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or baptized in the fire. Completely immersed. Completely dipped. Completely covered. They understood what Paul meant when he said you were once plunged in darkness in Ephesians 5.8. Soaked in darkness, like I said. Part of darkness. But now you are plunged into Christ. Baptized in Christ. They understood that to be baptized in Christ was to be immersed in Christ. It meant to be altered by Christ. It meant to be changed by Christ and thoroughly transformed by Christ. That's what baptism is all about. That's what it represents, church. Not for a moment. Not temporarily. Not just for the five minutes that we walk through here. But for a lifetime. We are saying, I have been changed that thoroughly. I have been changed and altered that deeply. That Christ is so much in me and I am so much in Christ that it has transformed me forever. Not for a moment, but forever. Like the fabric was transformed forever. And the two were indistinguishable one from another. To be baptized in Christ means I am now one with Christ. One in Christ. United with Christ like the fabric is united with the dye. In John 14:20, as I begin to wind this down, Jesus says, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And in 2 Corinthians 5:17, you know, if any man be in Christ, any woman, anyone be in Christ. And what that means is if anyone is baptized in Christ... If anyone be immersed in Christ, if, if anyone be plunged into Christ, they are a new creation. They are an altered creation. They are a completely transformed creation. The old has passed away and now all things are made new. This is what water baptism represents. Please understand this water, like I said, has no power to transform you. This water has no power to cleanse you. This water has no power to alter you. It merely is an outward demonstration of what has already happened or that you have allowed to happen inside of you through the blood and the work of Jesus Christ. It's simply telling those that are watching, I am in Christ as the fabric is in the dye. And that Christ is in me as the dye is in the fabric. Inseparable forever. Forever altered and forever changed. You understand that, church? So for us, baptism is an outward demonstration of an inner bonding and an inner uniting with Jesus Christ. The two are now one together forever. Amen? Which leads me to my final closing thought, which is baptism is also a type of marriage. It's a union between two objects. It's the bonding and the bringing together of two objects like we just learned. And it's where the phrase, take the plunge, comes from. You ever heard that? You want to take the plunge? Like it's a negative thing? It comes from the, the, the concept of baptism. 
To take the plunge means to be immersed one into the other. That's what you're doing here. You're plunging yourself into Jesus Christ. You're plunging yourself into His kingdom. You're plunging yourself into His will. You're plunging yourself into His ways. You're plunging yourself into His love. You're plunging yourself into His anointing. You're plunging yourself into every good thing God has for you. That's where this whole phrase, taking the plunge, comes from, church. It comes from the... the, the, the it means to be immersed one into the other, where the twain shall become one. In marriage, we say it this way, the man shall leave his old life and he shall cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And in the same way, baptism publicly says the same thing. Baptism publicly says, I'm divorcing myself from this world, and I'm marrying myself to Jesus Christ. We are the bride. He is the groom. And what this is saying, this is letting everyone know who I belong to. I've been bought with a price. I'm the bride of Christ. I belong to Him. And now I will, I will allow Him to rule and reign over my life. What we have to realize is that, like, that water baptism like marriage is not to be a momentary act. It is to be the demonstration of a lifelong decision to be united with Jesus Christ, one with Jesus Christ. One of the saddest truths is, is we have a lot of beautiful weddings that turn out to be ugly marriages. Lots of momentary confessions of affection while standing at the altar, but very few lives of devotion come from it. Unfortunately, water baptism can far too often be the same. We can have beautiful water baptism services. We can have beautiful confessions of affection. But they never seem to turn out to be lives of devotion. But that's what Christ is looking for tonight. He's not just looking for a beautiful wedding. He's looking for a beautiful marriage between us and Jesus Christ. He's not looking for... For momentary confessions of affection. He's looking for a lifelong devotion. And that's what this says. I'm marrying myself to you, Jesus. Forever. Forever. Bound together. Knit together. One with Jesus Christ. Amen.